2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. We all want the real thing, but we can seldom find it. I was with a group of teenagers in New York City in 2000, and I think it was 2010, 2011, and we ended up on a on our excursion on our day off from doing a mission project in Chinatown. And if you've ever been to Chinatown, there's a lot of things that look real but aren't real. And a bunch of our guys decided they were going to buy Rolexes, okay? They were Folexes, okay? They were not the real thing. And so these guys, they looked real from a distance till you got up on them. Rolex is not supposed to tick. You could hear the ticking across the room with some of these things, man. I don't know where they came from. But they all had these big gold Rolexes, and they thought they were the junk. And they were walking around like, check out my Rolex. And before you knew it, one of the Rolexes broke on the, on the subway ride back to the hotel. One of the Rolexes, I saw it break and shoot apart in the bus on the way home. Every one of those watches was done by the time we made it back to Macon, Georgia, which was about three or four days later. We all want and looking for the real thing. And sometimes we even go after imitations looking for the real thing. And I want you to know this, that the Bible is clear, and, and throughout history, some of the, the great luminaries in the church have shown us what is a true church. We're in our series, we're talking about we are the church, we are this because Jesus is I am, we are this body of people called out, the ecclesia, the church, those who have been called out of darkness into marvelous light to, to worship the Father and to serve him. We're called out people who are a family and we are called to love one another and, and Tom talked about that last week. And so that's what we are and what is a mark of a true church because at the, at the core, a church is a gathering of people and you may have said this before. You may have been in a situation where you're looking for a church. You may be in a situation where you're talking about someone else's church. You may be saying, mm, something's not right about that church. That doesn't seem like a church at all. And I think that, that we need to understand what is a true, authentic church so you don't get into a Rolex, situ a Folex situation, okay, and get involved in a group that is just not even close. And so we're going to look at this this morning, and we're going to start by looking in this passage of Scripture and this is, this is um, in fact, before we do that, I, wanna, I want you to look at two things. There's two guys. About, you ever heard of Martin Luther? Not Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther, he's one of the great reformers. October the 31st, um, what did we celebrate here? Most of us had Halloween, we trick-or-treated. But also that was the day when the Protestant Reformation started and Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door. And so he wrote, and he's a defender of the gospel. And I want you to look at two things, and this is from Martin Luther and John Calvin, two of the great reformers that help us see who what a true church is. And so I got it on the screen. If you pop it up there, follow along with me. And they have two things that they say a true church is. A true church is the congregation or the group of saints in which the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments rightly administered. So he's saying right here about a true church. We're all looking for the real thing. Here's what he's saying. A true church is one that preaches the gospel rightly. What's the gospel? It's the good news of Christ. And secondly, it administers the sacraments rightly. Now, we don't use the word sacraments, but we actually did one of the sacraments a minute ago, or you call it ordinances. And basically what it is is Jesus told his church, his people, to do two things regularly and two things symbolically. And those two things are the Lord's Supper, which we just did, communion, and baptism. 
Those are the two things. And so Luther says that a true church is one that preaches the good news and one that practices the sacraments, the, thing Je- the things Jesus told us to do specifically in the Gospels. And then John Calvin, following suit, says this, wherever we see the Word of God purely preached and heard, and the sacraments administered according to Christ's institution, there, it is not to be doubted, a church of God exists. And so what does he say? Basically, thing. He says, you preach the Word of God, the Word of God tells the gospel story, and that's the, that's the whole theme of the Bible, is to tell the good news of Jesus. And so John Calvin said that, that and, and I rightfully so, looking at Scripture, he said that the, a true church is marked by, by two things. Number one, they preach the word of God truly and clearly. And secondly, they administer the sacraments, what Jesus told us to do on purpose. So it's this group of people that are shaped and formed and, and, and brought together by the word of God to do these things that Jesus has told us to do, which are symbolic of what he has done. And these guys are not just writing this off. They are talking, they're showing biblical truth. Now we go to 2 Timothy, verse four, or 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, and Paul's going to say this. Even more importantly, the inspiration, Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, says this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. In the name of Jesus, I charge you to do this. I want you to do this, Timothy. Preach the word. Preach the word. And then it says this. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teachings, but they'll have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And so if you look in verse 2, Paul says something that's integral to the church that should be paramount, and it's this. He says, to Timothy, preach the word. Now, this is important. I want you to understand this. Let's get some context. Context is king, okay? Especially when you're thinking about the Bible. Have you ever been accused of saying, of, of saying something you didn't say because the context was wrong? Do you know something? Sarcasm is really hard to communicate via text message or email. And you could be totally joking. Thank God for emojis. I know it's hard to say that. Thank God for emojis. But at least if you, ha- if you say a sarcastic comment, you could put the winky face or the winky face with the tongue. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? And that you could say, hey, obviously they're being sarcastic. But if I told you you could jump off a bridge, it could be a joke. Somebody's messing with you. You say, go jump off a bridge. Winky face, tongue out. Okay? Right? Or you can say, go jump off a bridge, and you like really want that person to jump off a bridge and hurt themselves. Okay? That could be communicated. Same words, different communication style, and that, that without the context, it's hard to understand. And so I want you to get this about the Scripture. Always know the context. Who's writing this letter? If you go back to the first part, it's Paul is writing this letter. He is at the end of his life and ministry. He's probably going to be executed according to church history, and he's going to be executed, and he's writing to Timothy one last letter. Who's Timothy? Obviously, the person the letter was written to. How do we know that? Because the letter's entitled 2 Timothy. Bam. There you go. And so he's writing to Timothy. Well, who is Timothy? What does he do? Timothy is a pastor. 
Timothy has been mentored by Paul and discipled by Paul, and he's pastoring a local congregation, maybe even several he's working with. And so here is what he's telling him to do. This is the last, this is maybe one of the last chapters or last letters Paul ever has written. It's definitely one of the last ones he wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He is writing this, and he is telling him, he says, all these things I tell you, the people that are going to be turning away, there are people that are not going to want to hear the good news, but here's what I want you to do, Timothy. Here's what is your number one job as a pastor and a leader in the church. Preach the word of God. And so a true church, a, a, a true Bible church, a true church that's, not, that's authentic down to its core, the, the core of it should be that they're serious about preaching and teaching the Word of God. You ever think it's weird what we do? If you don't, you should. Because what we do on Sunday mornings is weird. Okay? We may... <laughs> Where else do you gather with a bunch of people, some of which you do not know, and you come together to sing songs for 20 minutes, okay? At sporting events, there's the anthem or something like that, or maybe you're dancing to the song like at halftime, okay, the band's playing, but you don't get together and sing, and the only time you might sing it is like the fourth quarter, third quarter, where you're singing Sweet Caroline, or some of you guys sing Rocky Top, whatever you sing, okay? That, that's not usual, hey, you guys want to get together and just invite some people and let's all get together and sing? That's uniquely a Christian thing the Bible tells us to do. And then we're going to listen to somebody get up and talk about the Bible for 40 minutes plus. That's weird. It's like when, you know, when like the State of the Union comes on? And if you're not a political head, we know what you're going to do? What's What's on HGTV? What is on besides this? I'm going to get an ear bleed. Okay, I don't want to watch the, or how many of you spend a lot of time watching C-SPAN? Doesn't happen. If you do, God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. You have a tough life, okay? And so here's, here's what we're getting at is it's, it's a odd thing to be a, a, a Christian and our Christian worship is weird, but it is at the core of us because God communicated through the word. Remember, he spoke, he spoke a word and he created. Let there be. And there was. Also, he sent the word, Jesus, incarnate word of God, to save people from sins and to let people know who God was. Not only that, he has given us a written word. And that's where Paul, he, we're going to go back and get more context here in a second, but he, I just want you to make this very clear that the, the Christian church, the sign of a true church, is the preaching of the word of God. And it's, when we go back and look at the Protestant Reformation, the Catholics had gotten this place where the gospel was murky. Not only that, their worship services didn't center around the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. It centered around doing all of these, these elaborate things, and there was incense and all these different things, and the Word of God was not being taught. And then that's when God used Martin Luther to 
to wake people up again and say, no, the Bible, the Word, Christ, that's it. And so, yes, it's weird what we do, but it's God prescribed and it's for our good. And so if you want to go, if you want to be a part, and I encourage you, be a part of a church that's a true church. And that, what is the sign of it? That they preach and they're serious about the Word of God and the gospel contained therein. So preach the word is what Paul told Timothy. But this is, we further go back in context, and he gives us why it is so important for Timothy to preach the word. And so go back, if you would. If you've got your own Bible, that's cool. If not, it'll be on the screen. Go back to chapter 3. What comes before chapter 4? Chapter 3. Look at that. You guys are really you know, on top of it today. I didn't know, okay? It's kind of dark outside. You're with me. In chapter 3, go back to verse 14. He's talking to Timothy. Remember, he tells him to preach the word. But before that, he says, here's why you should preach the word. In verse 14, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have, been fir- and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Continue on in the faith. Now, this guy's a pastor, Timothy, and he, Paul's encouraging him on, and we know if you go and look in the context of the letter, and you go back up in verse into chapter 3, that he has been trained in the Old Testament scriptures by his grand, grandmother and his mother, and his family had, had, had brought him in this, t- Paul himself discipled him, and what does he say? You continue, you continue striving forward and know God more. You never arrive in this life. You're always seeking to know God more, and you're always seeking to, to know the word more. And so he said, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. You remember these people who believed this and backed it up with their life. And then verse 15 says, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which is referring to scripture, especially the Old Testament scripture. I think we can apply it later on, but directly Paul's talking to him. He's talking about the Old Testament scriptures that was testified of Jesus. And he says this, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so I want you to know this. Here is the reason why the church, a true church, should be based around the Word of God and the clear preaching and teaching of the Word of God because the Word of God can make you wise to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Which means this. The whole story of the Bible points to one man, the God-man, Jesus. It's all about God's redemption through him. God created everything and called it good. Man sinned and fell. But God, even then, set in motion a way for the serpent who deceived to be crushed, the sins to be forgiven, and right relationship to be restored between God and man. And he brought it through a people, through a family, then through a people, people of Israel, and then ultimately culminating in Christ. And the New Testament is the culmination of that where Christ has died for sins. He is risen. He is ascended and he's coming. And we live now in this time where we proclaim the greatness of his excellencies all around because we are these called out people, called out. And so here's the word of God. When we preach it, I know this sounds crazy. When we preach the word of God, God, and we teach it, God can make people wise to salvation. And what is wisdom to salvation? That know that salvation comes through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're not saying do better. We're not saying be more moral. That will eventually come. But what we are saying is if you want to be wise and be saved, to know, have a right relationship restored with God, how do you do that? It's through faith in Jesus and what he's done. And Jesus alone, that's why he's got such a beautiful name. And I'm tripping over things. 
getting a little wild over here. I'm getting outside of my usual like box. So I want you just, just, just to see this here. Why do we say that? Because the scriptures can make us wise to salvation through Jesus Christ. It's all about him and the scriptures. And, th- and if you think about it, go back to the Valley of Dry Bones in the book of Ezekiel. Do you remember this story? Ezekiel goes out and he finds this desolate army. Like it's been laid waste and the bones are there. Looked like a battle had happened. Battle did not go the way of the boned, boned people, okay? You know what I mean? So those people who are dead, the skeletons, they did, it didn't go well for them because they're dead. And what does Ezekiel Preach to him. Preach the word. And he probably was like, seriously? <laughs> like, they're dead. <laughs> go preach. Go talk to him. Those are bones. I'm going to look like a crazy person. It's going to be like, <laughs> like Hamlet holding the skull. To be or not to be. Like, he's talking to dead. That's not going to work out. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Got the one Hamlet reference. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> I saw Tom's smirk, and that made me happy. And these bones are dead. It says, prophesy to them, son of man, or prophesy to them. And he goes, so he preaches the word. Keep doing it. He preaches the word. And what happens? A bone shake. They connect. Flesh forms. This army rises up. And I want you to know that God has chosen the foolish things of the world that confound the wise, and it's the preaching of the word of God through broken vessels and earthen pots that contain this great treasure that God makes people wise for salvation through, G- through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's the Word that does it. Paul would say in Romans chapter 1, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you, Romans, because I believe that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. It's crazy. We got this dynamite power in our hearts and in, in our lives. And when, through, when we talk and preach the word and talk it, and especially in a corporate setting when it's preached, God can make people alive. Now, we would love to see that, like, just work itself out, like, quickly. I like to love to see if, like, somebody's really, like, born again, okay? Like, their spirit is now made alive. We just don't see that, but we do see the signs of it. I remember in, in my life where I used to not care about the Bible. I was thankful for Sunday afternoon because that was the that was the time when that was the longest possible time before more church. <laughs> I was like, yes, you throw off. I used to have to dress up. I throw off the Sunday clothes, and I was like, I get to play for six more days until I have to go be bored again. Okay, just being honest with you. And then over time, and I, in the preaching of the Word of God and hearing it, and, and what happens is all of a sudden I started having a taste for it, something I didn't have a taste for before. Then I wanted to hear it. Then I wanted to read it. Then I wanted to live it. And then all of a sudden I know that I am not the same person that I used to be. And where does that come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. God has always communicated His salvation through the Word. He created through the Word. He sent the Word incarnate, Jesus, to be His revelation here. And now He's given us His written Word, who is it's completely inspired, to be this, to make us wise unto salvation in Jesus Christ. And He goes on and says in this in 2 Timothy, why, why, is the, why is it so central that we preach the gospel? Because it makes people, it makes them wise to salvation through Jesus Christ. It makes dead bones live. 
and changes people and makes them alive and takes them from one degree to the next. And then it goes on to say in verse 16, here's another thing about Scripture, why we should preach it. All Scripture is breathed out. <coughs> excuse me. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's His very breath. It speaks to the inspiration of it. This is not, this is, God has worked in such a way through the authors of the Scripture that He has moved their hearts and inspired them to write exactly the words He wanted. He did that through the Old Testament writers and the New Testament writers, and he has breathed out. And so if you, if you ask this question, have you ever been, if, you've ever, if you're a parent, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, is there a manual for this kid? You ever been there? Like, they just act like, like they're, everything's going well for you. Like, family life is normal, and then all of a sudden they're like, I'm going to burn things, okay? And they got, like, lighters, like, ha, 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 You're like, what happened? Or they're like, got this great temperament, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to cry about everything, and I'm going to lie about everything. And you're like, I'm going to punt you. Stop. You ever been there? And you're just like, where's the manual? What if I told you that God wrote a book, not about parenting, but wrote a book that explains his heart? It's not all of it, because God is so huge, but he showed us what we needed to what we needed and who we are and, and what this world's about. And, and we have it. And we say, great, let me read it. And we do. It's the Bible. But we want something else. The Bible is, a, is, is, is laws and prophecies and, and stories and across the centuries, two or 3,000 years. And it's all telling one story. And we, if it's really the Word of God, He gave it to us on purpose. And it's knowable. And it is good for us. And so we see this. Why do we preach the Word? And why is it so central to a true church? Because it's inspired by God. It's His very words. And it's useful or profitable. Look in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, which means correcting your understanding, or means changing your understanding of who God is. This is what we all need. Because you know what we like to make God look like? Us. It's just it's what we do. Our own image. We make you in our own image. We like say, God is like against the things that you're against and for the things that you are for. Well, the God of the Bible is not like that. And so the scriptures change us to understand what the Bible is all what, what God is all about. And so it's profitable for letting us understand who God is. Do you realize this? If we don't have a revelation for who God is, that we are all just groping and guessing, and everybody can have their own personal God. And that would be insane. And it, people do that. And what has it done? Every man did, in fact, we go look in the book of Judges. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And you know what happened? A bunch of sin, including they cut up a lady. They killed a lady, cut her up, sent her to the 12 tribes. It's a weird story. There's a weird stories in the Bible, I tell you that. People just did weird, debaucherous, depraved things when you make your God in your own image because then you justify everything that you're doing. But God, the Scripture, who has made himself known in Christ, and through his word, he teaches us who he, what he's like so that we might believe rightly and live rightly. So teaching, what else is the Bible good for? It's for reproof and correction. Reproof and correction, which means that the Bible, it, it transforms us and makes us wise to salvation, and then it doesn't leave us there. It makes us understand who God is so we might love him more, and then it changes our behavior, and it corrects our behavior. I'm here, I'm, I'm, Amy and I have been going through um, some classes with the state to help kids who are in, in, in need. And one of the things that um, we have seen is, um, or heard this story about a girl who 
would not stop drinking out of the toilet, which is just an awful scenario. She had been abused previously. She was staying with a new, in a new home, in a foster home, because she'd become a ward of the state. And she, she apparently had been so neglected that the only way she could get water was to dip a cup in the toilet and drink it. And so she's at this foster family, and this foster family's like, we got clean water and juice and all sorts of good things. But they wanted to help this girl stop drinking out of the toilet because that's not a good thing to do. And so, but she had been so neglected and abused that it was going to be hard for her to do what was, to, to do something better. So the, the parents had to work to correct this in a loving way. And what they did was they put a punch bowl with clean water and a clean cup next to the toilet. And so she still had that comfort level of going and, and getting that, but she's not drinking that gross water out of the toilet. Before you know it, what she do? What'd they do? The parents moved it up a little bit higher. She could still see the bowl and know it was there. And dip in. Now, but now she had to ask them for help. And so now she's learning to trust these parents that they'll give her a good thing. And before long, there was no punch bowl needed. Do you know why? Because she trusted them. And there was a correction of behavior for their good. And I want you to know that that is us and that is us and in our relationship to God. We all think we know what we want. Sin is like drinking out of the toilet. Oh, it's good. It's, it's awesome. You want some of this? Ultimately, it's going to make us sick and, and just ruined. Plus, you're a weirdo, right? You just drink it out of the toilet. And what happens? He's like, no, that's not good. I love you. Let me correct you and move you to trust me and to be more like me. And that's the scriptures tell us who God is and why we should live differently. And that story is so tragic to think about that, that somebody would be so neglected. I want you to know something. Sin makes us just like that. And God's even a better parent than those foster parents. He's moving us through his word. He doesn't do this by just showing up in a dream. Or, hey, this is who I am. You know why you don't need that? Because he's already revealed himself. You don't need anything else. It's sufficient. In fact, you go on in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, and for training in righteousness, so you know how to be, live rightly. Then it goes off, and here is why the word of God has been given to us, that the man of God or woman of God, the, the, those who are in Christ, the church of God, might be competent, equipped for every good work. He has given you the word so you could do what you need to do to glorify him and to make disciples and to do everything you need to do to parent your kids right. He has given you all this. That doesn't mean you will exactly right, but it means you're resting on his grace because why? salvation is not through your works. It's through his merit and faith in that. And But he gives you the roadmap and the power and, and the way to go, and he will bring a work to completion in you through his word, and he will make you. That's the word is good enough for that. It can make you equipped for every good work. 
So that's why we should preach the word, because it's God's inspired word that, change, that makes us wise to salvation. It's, hit, it's inspired, and it changes us and makes us more equipped. That's the word. So that it makes sense that that's a core part of church. When we get together, is the preaching and teaching of the word. And so I want to encourage you and exhort you to do something. There's the truth. And so here is the ramifications of it. The first thing is this. Be a part of a true church. One that's serious about preaching the word of God and the gospel. And we pray that that is what we are here and we are working towards that. But you might ask this question. Because there's, like, you can listen to any preacher almost in the world, anytime, anywhere, via podcast for free or YouTube. And there's so many voices out there. And there's so many styles, and there's so many different churches, and you wonder if this is a true church, is that a true church? How do I deal with all this glut of information I'm getting? I want to give you a few ways that you can evaluate. Now listen, don't come in with a critical spirit. If you go to church with a critical spirit, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get proved right, okay, because there will be things to criticize, number one. Number two, you're just going to be critical, and you're going to miss the blessing of God. But I think there is something to be said about evaluating truly if we are preaching, if the place you're going and attending is preaching and teaching the Word and serious about that. I'm going to give you a few things. How can I recognize a church that's serious about preaching the Word of God? First off, after a sermon, and you're sitting around, eating lunch, whatever, can you remember what Bible passage was preached on? If you cannot, that person is not preaching the Word of God. I will tell you this real clearly. Because what's the purpose of preaching? Is it for me to tell you funny stories and you me to tell you about my life? If you want that, you can watch stand-up comedy or spoken word or listen to long form on NPR. You can do any of those things you want to do. That's not the Bible. It's not preaching. Preaching is explaining the Word of God. Yes, it might include stories to illustrate. Yes, it might include humor because who doesn't like to laugh, okay? And then it might include all these different things, but if you go home and you're like, I don't know what the sermon was about, you probably didn't hear a sermon. You probably heard a pep talk from a moron. I, I mean, that's just probably the case. Secondly, could you see how the pastor derived his sermon points from the biblical text? Can you see where he got it from? Like, this has not been a rocket science sermon. Why should we believe the scriptures? Well, I gave you the, what was point one. You may not remember, okay? That's okay. It was that, oh, I almost forgot it. It can make you wise to salvation in Jesus Christ. You know where I got that point? That said it. <laughs> okay? It's, it was, I, that's what it said. <laughs> I tried to explain it to you, but that's what it said. It's not real hard. If you, go, if you leave a sermon going, how did he get that out of there? It's probably... Not true. But he's a pastor. Big whoop. You can get ordained online. Churchofinsanity.org, okay? <laughs> or heretics.net, okay? Whatever you want to do. Well, are they true to the text? The text makes the man. And if you, can, if you go, man how, did he, man, how did he get that? How did he go from talking about Moses to talking about Bentleys? How did he get there? If that's where you are, you should, you should smell the fish because something's fishy. Three, did the sermon make a big deal about Jesus and the gospel? Because self-help 
Self-help. There are more self-help books out now than ever before. If you go to any bookstore, if the bookstore is still available, or Amazon, you go to the self-help section, there are self-help books upon self-help books upon self-help books. The Scripture is not a self-help book. It testifies to the Word of God, the transforming power of His Word, and it makes you wise to salvation in Jesus Christ. You can know Him, and then He'll change you. It's different. It's not, hey, ten principles for a better marriage. Yes, those are, I think you can find those in the Bible, but that's not what the Bible's about. It's about making you wise to salvation, and it's always centered on Jesus and the gospel. So if the marriage advice you're getting is not centered on Jesus and the gospels, then it's wrong, and it's not true preaching. Fourthly, that the pastor proclaims something that contradicts the clear teachings of Scripture. If the person preaching affirms something the Bible clearly says is wrong, then, it, then that is not true preaching of the Word. It's very clear. If the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. If the Bible says this is what's good to do, this is what you should do. If the Bible says Jesus, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, then that means he is. If someone says something different to that, that's not true preaching of the word. And so if you want to if you, if you evaluate or look and know, you need to go to a place and be a part of a church that's serious about preaching the word.